Well, good morning. Well, we're in the last week of this series called Making Change. And every week we've kind of gone through these four thoughts that we want everybody to have in their minds for four behaviors that we want everybody to adopt into their lives. And let's go through them. And on the screen right now, let's say them together. Less is more, stress is bad, tomorrow matters, and giving is good. Did you notice how we changed the order of those last two? Now, we did that for scheduling purposes, but it did put the last one, what I think is the best one. Giving is good. In all my years of teaching, people have asked me to teach on many things. They've asked me to teach about social issues. They've asked me to teach about relationships. They've asked me to teach about maybe some certain things that, hey, does the Bible really say this? Could you teach about that? Never, ever, not one time in all of my years of teaching has anybody said, I need to hear about giving. Like, I really need you to do a message to explain to me what giving is all about. But the truth is, when you look at Scripture... Over and over and over again in God's word, we hear that giving is good. How many of you would like more blessing in your life besides me? I would love more blessing in my life. Now, what we're going to discover today is blessing in my life and my willingness to give are directly connected. That's what God's word says. That's what person after person in scripture and in life, in my experience, that's what happens. Great blessing in life is often, more often connected to my ability to be a generous person. Giving is good. Here, here's why it's good. I get a front row seat to a lot of really cool stories, to watch people's lives change, to hear about how their lives have gone from being away from God to a life with him. I, I get to travel sometimes, like to Ecuador, to the churches that we planted there, and look at the two churches we've planted, and there's about 6,000 people total with those two churches who are impacted by them. There's six to 700 kids that are impacted that all of you sponsor, all because somebody said, that's worthy of me giving to and when we plant a church there, that means that uh, the whole church or a group of people have gotten together $85,000, $87,000 and said, we're going to send it there and we're going to plant a church. This year when I look back at our stats and I see uh, 110 people or, or more have been baptized into Christ here at our church, that, that's because people give, that we exist. And life change stories of hey, our, our marriage was in a wreck, or I was addicted, or something else was going on in my life, and then it changed because somehow God connected you or someone with our church. And all of that happens because people give. Now, if I had a really good way for you to get healthy, if I said, hey, here's some things that you can apply to your life, and you'd lose a little bit of this and buff up a little bit, you would probably join the gym. If I had one that could do that for sure, and there was no question, and it was really easy, like everybody would do it, because many of you probably do, and you work on your body to make it look great, and that's perfect. You know, I want to I wanna suck every bit of life I can out of this body that I have for as long as I possibly can. 
I want to make it work and make it work well. You're probably going, well, you're not, doesn't look like you're doing great. Well, I'm, I, I, it's my desire. It's what I want to do. So today I want to talk about how giving can really get you in shape emotionally, spiritually. It can even get you in shape physically. There's countless, countless studies that have been done on generosity. And here's how we can know that giving is good for us. Just looking outside of anything spiritual. Here's some findings about generosity. Stephen G. Post from the Brook University School of Medicine in New York says this, studies show that people who donate meaningfully, even just once, feel happier months later, though it's best to do so with some regularity. This article that I read goes on to say that countless studies have found that generosity, both volunteering and charitable donations, benefits young and old physically and psychologically. And also, here's another study that was done. They took two groups of people, and they gave each group $40 each. And they said, this group, go spend it on yourselves. Go buy yourselves things with it or thing. Whatever you can do for $40, spend it on yourself. Now, this other group, we want you to spend it on others, to give it away. They measured the blood pressure at the beginning and measured the blood pressure at the end. And you know where I'm going with it. The ones who gave the money away, even the ones who suffered from hypertension, had a significant decrease in blood pressure after they gave the money away. And those that spent it on themselves, there was no change at all. So giving is good. And just to be clear, when I talk about giving, I'm talking about giving your money away. Like the money you have that's yours, giving some of it away. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about time. I'm not talking about anything else or desires. I'm talking about money. Giving money away. That seems simple. Just drop a little money in. Just give to something you're passionate about. It is simple. But things that are simple are not always easy. Because my money, like yours, is my money. It's mine. And so it's difficult to give up things that are mine for something that I may not see an immediate benefit from. People have always struggled with this. We're going to look at a section of scripture where God gave some pretty clear instructions on what to do when you struggle with, hey, this is mine. I've earned it. I deserve it. And I'm going to do what I want with it. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. Uh, you can keep that. You can borrow it. You can also read along on the screen. So if you open up the Bible and start reading in Genesis, it's not long till you start to read about God's chosen nation, the Israelites, and how they were in Egyptian bondage for about 400 years. And then Moses, this guy, shows up, and he leads them out of bondage. I'm really paraphrasing the story, but he leads them out of Egyptian slavery. And he leads them to this place called the Promised Land. And they wander around because of their disobedience for about 40 years, but when they finally get to this place called the Promised Land, God has some words of advice. Because when he said promised land, he really meant promised land. He meant things were going to go great. He meant that 
that they were going to have houses that they had only dreamed of, that the crops are always going to be bumper crops, that their herds were never going to have any sicknesses, that things would just be great and they wouldn't have to worry financially. He called it the land flowing with milk and honey, meaning the land of provision with everything they could have ever imagined materially for their needs. And he tells them, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get this stuff. You're going to get that stuff. And this great stuff's going to happen. And you're going to have houses. And you're going to have power. And you're going to have control. And you're not going to want for anything. And just at the end of, he's, of him telling them, this is everything you're going to have, he gives them a warning. It's in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he says this. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. What he's trying to communicate, and leave that verse up there, because what he's trying to communicate is everything that you have comes from God. Whether you have a lot or a little, it still comes from God. And there's something in our human nature that causes us to forget that we are not the source of all of our talents, that we are not the source of all the stuff that comes into our lives. And he's telling them thousands of years ago, you need to be careful because there will be a time when you sit back and say, look what I've done for myself. Look what I've built for me. And he says, when that happens, you need to remember that it is me, God, who gives you the ability to produce any wealth that you have because he knows our tendency to think that we are the center of the universe, that we are the ones that cause it all to happen. Now, many people have not discovered this. Not everybody knows this. When it comes to giving away what we have, the first tendency is to hold on to it because whose is it? Mine. It's mine. But if we could just all discover how good it is to give, a lot of things would change in the world. A lot of things would change in our church. A lot of things would change in your life. If you discover how good it is to just give. Something happens when I give that takes the focus off me and everything I want and puts it out there to someone else. How much better of a place will the world be if people first focused on giving away rather than receiving? It'd be a better place. The world would look different. The church would look different. And I think your life would look different. I don't think followers of Christ have figured this out. On average, a person that would check the box and say, and say yes, I'm a Christian, in a survey, gives 2.5% of their income to God's kingdom. And you might think, well, that's, that's really good, 2.5%. That's better than zero. It is. Percentage-wise, people who would check the box Christian on a survey gave more during the Great Depression percentage-wise than people do today. And you can track that. When people had less, they gave a greater percentage than they do when we live in a time when we all have more. 
and the trends just in our country where it's easy to study it, where, where the average household income is about $50,000. That might sound like a lot to you. It might sound like, man, how could you get by on that? But the average household income is $50,000. And those in that income bracket, in that median bracket, give 6% of their income to charities. That's better than 2.5. But the people in the 200,000 and up bracket, they give 4% of their income. So the idea of if I had more money, if I could just scratch this ticket off or hit my numbers, I would be so much more generous. It's not true. We might think that. You might think, well, when I have more, then I'll give more away. But people don't. Because the stats show that as people acquire less and or more and more and more, they give less and less and less. Now, there's reasons that people don't give, and I think some of them are really legitimate. Here, here's the top couple of ones that I believe that many of you might be thinking, yeah, you're talking about giving money, but, and then you have a question that you're thinking in your mind, and it's probably a legitimate question. I think many of you are probably thinking when I talk about giving money financially out of your bank account into somewhere else, you think, well, I don't have enough. You haven't seen my budget. I don't have, I can't. I want to, but I can't. If those of you with kids, had you waited till you could afford kids, the population of the earth would be a lot less. We wouldn't have nearly as many kids over in our kids' ministry right now worshiping God because you would have waited till you could afford them. You couldn't do it because they are expensive. You don't know how much you're going to have to go to the ER. You don't know how many times that you're going to have to pay for the flu. You don't know how many times they're going to get pink eye and you're going to have to run to the uh, doctor. You don't know that. And even if they're well, you don't know how much diapers cost and baby food costs and clothes and those little things cost lots of money. And if you waited until you had the money to have a child, you would never have a child. So when people say, well, I don't have enough to give, you do have enough to give. But you had a child because you said, whatever else we're paying for in life, this takes precedent because we want to reproduce we want to have a child in this house. And so you paid for it. And when it comes to giving, I think we, I know we all have the ability to give. It just takes changing our priorities around. So if you're asking the question, saying, I don't have enough. You want me to give, but I don't have enough. Yes, you do. You do. It just takes changing priorities. Another question that you might be thinking is, well, I just don't trust where it's going. That's because so many people abuse people's generosity. And you've no doubt seen a TV preacher say things like, if you just sow a seed of faith and you just write this check, then God is going to bless you. And, and then they'll have a testimony of somebody that said, I sowed this seed of faith and then $10,000 showed up in my bank account. You've seen that. You've seen those testimonies. It was $10,000 they were paid to say that probably. <laughs> or you've got to sow this seed of faith so I can have a jet. You know, that, those people give legitimate giving and generosity a bad name. That is wrong. If you hear that, immediately you should think that is wrong. 
saying that if you send me this much money, then this is what God will do for you financially, and you'll get to drive what you've always wanted to drive because he wants you to drive the best car. You'll get to live in because he wants you to live in the very best thing. And when I read the life of Jesus, I just don't see that happening. I see Jesus saying, I don't have a house, but I got something that'll last for eternity. So you have to be careful. And it's legitimate to say, well, I don't give because I don't trust where it's going. But the Bible does say that it's more blessed to give than to receive. God made it really clear that when we give, when we're generous, we receive blessing. Will that be financial? Sometimes. Could it be that my income would increase? It might. But 100% of the time, blessing will be connected to your giving. Sometimes it'll be financial. Sometimes it won't. But as I learn how to give, it increases my capacity to love and respect and accept. Listen what King Solomon, a guy in the Old Testament, God called him the wisest man who ever lived. He was full of riches and wealth, and he's given advice to a, a generation behind him. And he says these words in Proverbs chapter 11. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love the way a paraphrase called the message paraphrases this verse. It says, these two verses, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. What he's trying to communicate, when you're generous, your influence increases more and more and your world gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you just focus on you, it's just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Remember the first week of this series, less is more? That sometimes it doesn't make sense to say less is more? Well, does it always make sense to say, well, I'm going to give, so I'm going to receive? It doesn't sometimes make sense in our minds to think, how can I give and yet receive? But Solomon says, hey, your world is going to get bigger as you become more generous. And if you're more stingy, it's gonna get smaller. Now, it's not natural to give money away. Just not a natural thing. It's not natural to share. It's because it's by nature, we want what's ours. Put two two-year-olds in a room with one toy and see what their nature is. Their nature is, I want this. I don't care, you can cry all day if you want, but I got this. And whoever the stronger of the two is, is probably gonna be the one that gets to play with a toy. So they have to learn how to share. And so by nature, we're not generous because we want what we got, what we earn for us. So we have to learn how to be generous. So I just wanna share for a couple minutes like some giving 101 things. Because really when it comes to giving, it comes down to this, learning to trust God. That's what giving my money is all about, trusting God. Those of you who are followers of Christ, you have trusted Jesus Christ with your eternity. You have said to him, I not only trust you, Jesus, to forgive my sins now, the ones in the past and all the ones in the future, and I only trust you for that. I'm gonna trust you that when my life does end, that I will have this life that goes throughout eternity because of my relationship with you and because I confessed you as my Lord. 
If you're a follower of Christ, that's what you've confessed to say, I trust you with eternity, but why do so many followers of Christ say, but not my money? <laughs> you know, I can, I can deal with giving you my eternity, but not my money. See, Jesus talked a lot about money simply because he knew the ability that it had to take our trust away from him onto our money. He knew the ability that our money had to pull our hearts in different directions and to ultimately pull our hearts away from him. He knew the ability our money had to make us selfish. So when we say, God, I trust you with my eternal security, but not with my money, I can handle that. That's like when, when Cinda and I got married, if I would have said, before the preacher, I would have said, I promise to be mostly faithful to you. Or if I would have said, I'm gonna love and honor you for a good portion of my life. I don't think she would have said, I do. I think she would have said, uh, that's not gonna work. I don't like those kind of commitments. And yet we do it with God all the time. God, I trust you, but not with my money. Our opportunities to give away money financially is an opportunity to say, God, I trust you. It's also God saying to us, do you trust me? See, giving is one area that can actually quantify our faith. It really can. We can feel the effect of giving. We can see it. Our faith and our money are clearly connected. And giving is a way that we can quantify, well, how much faith do I have? How faithful am I? Am I faithful enough to trust God with my money? What does that even look like? Do you just mentally say, okay, God, now I trust you with my money? No, you give money away. That's how you show that you trust God with your money. God has a way of describing this, and he has for thousands of years. It's called tithe. It's called the tithe. It means 10% of your income, one-tenth of everything that you have. Here's how God communicated it thousands of years ago. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. What God is saying, you have to remember, and it's not going to be easy to remember that I'm the source of all the blessings in your life. So what he's telling them, because this is a farming culture, he's saying, look, you have to force yourself to remember where it all comes from. And the way to prove that you remember is to bring a tenth back to me. In fact, he says, that belongs to me. I gave you the ability to produce it. The first fruit, the first 10%, that belongs to me. And it's holy. Even when you don't give it, the first 10% is holy. Now, God's serious about it because later on, as God's people began to live in this promised land, it wasn't long until they stopped bringing God the tithe, the first 10%. They stopped doing that. And the Hebrew word for tithe literally means one-tenth. So they, they stopped, and God sent this prophet, Malachi, to say, look, you are robbing God. You are taking money from God. And they said, how are we doing that? And he says, when you don't give God the first best 10%, 
you are robbing him. And here's what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Trust me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. Now stay with me during this. Because what he's saying is, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. You might go, what's the storehouse? Well, for us today, I believe that's a local church. Where do you bring your offering? Bring it to the body of Christ. That's the best bang for your buck you could ever get in giving. I mean, I give to other things besides the church personally, but the best is saved for God because only the church is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ that will change people for eternity. Only the church is releasing people in Jesus' name. There are a lot of other organizations that do good things that are worthy of getting gifts, but only the church is the place where you can bring your tithe and say, I want this to further the mission of Christ and helping people who are lost find Jesus for eternity. I'm all for feeding hungry people, but if we just feed hungry people and they die without knowing Jesus, what have we really done? So the church is the place where the message of Christ gets spread to a world that desperately needs to hear it. And this is the only time in scripture when God says, test me, try me out. You don't think this is true? You don't like hearing this? Give it a shot. And what he says is, you're gonna have more capacity with 90% of what you have than you would have with 100% of what you have. How does that work? But God says it will work. Now, you might think, wait a minute, that's Old Testament stuff. That's like Jewish history. That's like something he asked the Jewish people to do. Well, when Jesus came along, Jesus also talked about tithing. In fact, he just assumed people would do it. In fact, you can go with whatever number you want. Jesus talked about giving all, and he talked about the tithe. So you can either do it all, or you can do the tithe. Those are the only two amounts that he talked about. They give me everything, but he also assumed people would tithe. And here's where, where Jesus talked about tithing. In Matthew 23, he says this, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, doing good things, without neglecting the former, tithing. He's saying, do both. Doing good things doesn't exempt you from giving financially, and giving financially doesn't exempt you from doing good things. So God says, test me in this. Jesus says, don't neglect this. When our girls were little, we uh, went through financial pieces of family, and we ended up uh, giving them the three jars of, here's what I uh, give back to God, here's what I'm going to save, and here's what I'm going to spend. And it wasn't much money. It was a few dollars when they would do chores around the house. And they don't have jobs now because they're in school. They will this summer. But, <laughs> but they, they learned how and they, it disciplined them. So when they do have a real income producing job, they will remember, I'm going to give first, I'm going to save second, and I'm going to spend last. And God says, bring me the tithe. Test me. Watch what happens. You will live better on 90% of whatever you have than you will on 100. Now, 
I personally give. You give, and that actually helps pay me. That's what pays me. So you could think, well, of course he's going to talk about giving. Of course he's going to bring that up. Of course he's going to be the one. Let me tell you this. If that bothers you, if that messes with you somehow, here's what I want you to do. Give somewhere else. Just give. Just start tithing. Just start saying, I'm going to bring the first 10% to God. If you don't believe in our church, if you don't believe in our mission, if you don't believe in what we're doing, a small percentage of us will still keep the doors open and we'll still keep making things happen. You don't have to give here if you think our motives are all messed up because I'm more concerned that you release the hold money has on you and say, I'm going to bring 10% back to God. Now, I hope it's here. But, but you might think, well, if we pay to pay you, then how do you give? I give just like you do. And I tithe. In fact, a couple years ago, my wife and I realized that tithing was no longer felt like a big sacrifice. It had just become part of our lives, and we adjusted our lives around living on 90% of whatever the income was. And we decided to increase that. We decided we're going we're gonna to do more than 10%. So we started giving back to our local church, which is here, more than 10%. And then for the last three years, our budget's been kind of flat. We haven't really raised it, but we've added a campus. We've got a building. We've got a lot more people. And so in 2017, the budget's going to increase by about 20% because we've been kind of holding for the last few years. So in 2017, it's going to be 20% more. And several weeks ago, my wife and I talked. I said, honey, here's what I think we ought to do. And what we decided to do is to increase our giving to the amount that the, the, the we felt like the church's budget needed increase. Now, that may be different numbers for you, but that's just what we did, which is not a tithe. It's more like 15%. And so wherever you are, it's time to start because here's what we're asking you today. Start trusting God right now with your money. Like being generous right now with the tithe. Being not just, not just trusting God, but being intentional about it. The same way you're intentional with whatever bank holds your mortgage, they probably told you, hey, if you do auto withdrawal, we'll give you a little break. AT&T will say, if you let it just come out of your account instead of writing us a check every month, if you do that, then we'll give you a little break because then they know the likelihood of them actually getting their money is way up high. You're probably planning for Christmas, planning to purchase gifts for people. And so all we're asking is start giving financially and plan your giving. Generosity will never happen someday until it happens today. It's really easy to say, we're going to do that someday. We're going to do that someday. But there's always going to be reasons not to give. Your kid's going to need braces. They're going to take a trip to the ER. There's always going to be a reason not to give. Now, this is going to be easier for lower-income people to step into. It's going to be harder for higher-income people to step into based on the stats I shared earlier. But I want to share with you a story of somebody that is in our church that just really caught on to the whole idea of giving. Some of you have seen this story before, but it's so powerful. This is one of the people in our band, and he was just talking one day to, to Mitch, and he was just sharing about the blessing of giving, and Mitch said, can we share that story with the church? So we sat down with him a few months ago, and this is the story that he told. My name is John Perry. I started coming to LifePoint about eight years ago. Growing up, our family really didn't go to church, so, but my parents did. Uh, set us up in a system where we could learn about God 
but as a family, we didn't typically attend church regularly. For me, giving was about, you know, they would pass these baskets by each week. And for me, it would be a matter of, do I have something in my pocket that's mine, and what don't I need that I can give? So for me, it was like some days it would be a single dollar bill, and you'd fold it up as much as you can and make it look like a nice wad, and you drop it in the basket. Um, you might step up your game and drop a five spot in there, or sometimes you'd see a 20. So for me, it, it was just a, it was a practice of just putting something in the basket that um, almost meant nothing to me, because remember, it was about, for me, I don't need this. So since I don't need it, I guess you can have it. Even when I started attending LifePoint, the culture I grew up with, so how, how I viewed things coming into this church was really no different. I was just, at this point, it was a radical change for me from where I'd come from stepping into this church. And um, sure enough, the baskets were coming around again. So again, that's kind of where my thought process was. I don't think it was odd that when I came here, I wasn't prepared to give because it took a while to get to understand the meaning of what's being passed in front of me. You know, I, I had to take the time and reflect and say, who are we, what are we doing, and why are we doing this? Because where most of my life was a coincidence, I can look back today and say, man, God put that person, put that person, that person, and I can connect all these dots and say thank you. You know, so for me, it's a way of appreciation. It's a way of saying, man, you were so patient with me and just thankful that there were people that he put and used their talents, their finances, their, their abilities, their time that got me here today. And if something that I can do, if it's hitting a drum, if it's saying hello, if it's part of my giving that can affect somebody to the point that would maybe get them to where I feel I am today and the peace that that's brought me, that's rewarding to me. I don't know if that's selfish or not, but I would love to be able to provide for somebody in that way that I feel was done for me. So going way back to when the baskets passed, that was mine. So what I didn't need, you can have the leftover. And the perspective today is, man, none of this is mine. None of it is. Giving is good. Giving not only changes others' lives, it changes yours, perhaps more than anything else. And what we're asking you to do is give it a try. What would your life look like if you brought God 10%? Now, some of you are like, there's no way. I just it's not possible. Well, give something. Start. Begin. Don't let the 10% number. And if, if you're not a tither, God's not saying, well, smoking section for them for eternity. <laughs> That's not how it works. He's not mad at you. 
but he's trying to guide us in the most healthy financial way possible. When my kids learned to drive, I taught them to stop at stop signs. And if they didn't stop, they're not going to stop being my kid. I'm not going to be mad at them, but there would be some consequences in their life if they did that over and over again. It's the same thing with giving. God is trying to say, here is a stop sign. Here's a guardrail. Here's something that will protect you and the way money controls your life. If you will just test me and watch and see how much better you'll live on 90% of what you make and what you bring home than you will on 100%. Now, uh, money people, you're thinking, is that gross or is that net? I don't care. Just figure it out. You know, I don't, God does not get that clear. So just give 10%. Read the verses I shared today and just figure that out. Well, what is 10% of what? Is it all of it? Is it part of it? What is it? But start giving. If we did this, our world would change. Our church would change. It would be dramatic. If you took the average income of our county, which is about $66,000 a year per household. That's for this county in North Carolina. And divide, or you do the math and how many people go to our church and even go further than that, how many people currently give? If currently the people who give, which is about half the people that go to our church give, if that happened, our budget wouldn't be $2.2 million. It would be more like $5.2 million. That's the difference that it would make. So can you imagine the difference That can be made when people just say, God, I'm going to test you. I'm going to give. And I'm going to do it. Because giving is good. Let's pray. God, as we consider giving, as we consider what our next steps are, as we consider what we're supposed to do with our finances, Father, may you give us guidance and may you give us the strength to just start today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right before I dismiss you, I want, to see this, want you to see this slide. Here are ways that you can give at LifePoint. You can give the old-fashioned way, uh, I guess next week, because it's already been passed around uh, in that basket that goes around, or you can drop it in those Connect Card boxes if you want to. Soon you'll be able to text to give at our church. That's going to be really cool. That's coming in December. You can mail, you can go online, you can use our PushPay app, just search for PushPay and LifePoint and you'll find it. Or you can go out to the Connect Center and they'll guide you through getting set up for online giving. So that's some of the ways that you can give and I pray that you will consider trusting God with the tithe. Have a great week, we'll see you next week. We start our brand new Christmas series called Netflixmas. So come and find out what all that is about. <laughs>